This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. This episode is brought to you by Boksu. Boksu is a premium Japanese snack and tea subscription box that takes you on a gourmet journey through Japan. It takes your mouth on a gourmet journey through Japan. Yeah, Matthew and I have gotten one. Uh, well, we each got one. Yeah. And I loved it. They source these snacks and teas directly from artisanal makers. These are not just like things you could go to Japan and even just find anywhere. No. Um, and they ship free worldwide. It is like a delightful surprise to get this in the mail. You could give yourself that surprise. Absolutely. By going to boksu.com. That's B-O-K-K-S-U.com. And use the code MILK5 at checkout for $5 off your first box. That's MILK numeral 5. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious or... I don't know. I hope it's delicious. Where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about casseroles. That's right. So recently, I called up Oh, wait. I didn't give the the correct name of the episode. Oh. I'm sorry. This episode (laughs) is called Try My Casserole. (laughs) So recently, Matthew and I were on the phone brainstorming episode topics, and I suddenly thought of tuna noodle casserole. And uh, of course, I I think Matthew's probably going to hate tuna noodle casserole. Maybe, but I'm- I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. Prior to this experience, I, I have only eaten it really once before. Well, I'll get into this some more. Wow, okay. But anyway, so I was like, Matthew, how about tuna noodle casserole? And he was kind of like, ugh. <laughs> That's probably the sound that I made, yeah. However, you proposed this idea where we like each make a casserole that sounds good to us and then make each other try it. Yeah, I was about to start making fun of you for serving me a casserole that you had only made once before. And then I remembered the one that I served you. I had only eaten once before and had never made before. Well, no, that's exactly oh, like okay. what I did today. I, wow. I've only ever eaten tuna noodle casserole once, and this was my first time making it. Was this as an adult? Let's go down memory lane. Okay. Was this as okay. an adult or as a child that you last ate it? So I, I grew up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, with a couple of food snobs as parents. Right. And I, I say that lovingly. They mm-hmm. made me who I am. Uh, bless them. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my mom, I remember in particular, sort of ranting about casseroles that like, uh, you know, I grew up in like casserole country, really. Yeah, the, sure. the Midwest, the South. Oklahoma doesn't really know whether it's the Midwest or the South. Yeah, I don't either. It's like it's got a panhandle. I know that it does. It, anyway, 
But casseroles were a, a, a frequent thing on the horizon. <laughs> they just, flo- they just float there <laughs> like the sun. Um, Molly, no, but- I believe you're dis- talking about a mirage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, there were a lot of casseroles in Oklahoma growing up. However, my parents never made them. Mm-hmm. My parents were both from the East Coast, and they were both sufficiently snobby to think that casseroles were like too unsophisticated, too middle American for them. Yeah. And so I ate casserole, I think, at maybe the homes of some friends. Like I remember that my best friend Jennifer's mom, Linda, who was a wonderful home cook, Linda made shepherd's pie. And I remember I came home and told my mom about it. I was like, Mom, I had this thing at Jennifer's house called Shepherd's Pie. Oh, yes. And my mom was like, ew. And I was like, it was so good. Will you make it? And my mom never made it. Um, I remember my uh, I had a, a girlfriend in high school who was uh, British, was English. And uh, I remember the first time she invited me over for dinner at her house, her father made cottage pie, oh. which is the same as shepherd's pie, except okay. cottage pie is beef and shepherd's pie is traditionally lamb. But of course, nowadays, I yeah. think probably in England also when people say shepherd's pie, it could be either and it's probably beef. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Jennifer's mom's shepherd's pie was was beef. Um, yeah, even though, I mean, think about the name. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so It's got Shep right in there. So Shepherd's Pie, not Shepherd. this is not our Shepherd's Pie episode. Well, I mean, it is. Let me it, remind you both and, of us. And so much more. So much more. Anyway, so I remember casseroles being this thing to be scorned, sort of. Kind of like uh, in, in, in the part of the country I grew up in, people also use Miracle Whip a lot in place oh, yeah. of mayonnaise. And Miracle Whip was also something that my family looked down upon. It, it was like these things were emblematic of this place that my parents had moved to that, that they didn't really feel culturally a part of. Mm-hmm. So my mom never made casseroles. My dad never made casseroles. Mac and cheese counts as a casserole. Certainly I ate that plenty growing up. Yeah, if it's it's baked. That's true. When my dad made mac and cheese, it was never baked. Then I don't think it's a casserole. I think it's a pasta. Uh, So I think it's safe to say I absolutely never ate casserole at home growing up. I don't really remember one way or the other. It's definitely like a thing that I would have at friends' houses. Um... Yeah, no, I don't I don't think I particularly did either. Although I think if we like if we like pause and think about it, I don't mean literally pause the episode. I mean <laughs> okay. I mean Hold on. figure it out. Moment of, like, of silence. And we're back. <laughs> like some of some of our favorite things are in fact casseroles though. Like like a, a you know, baked pasta like like we yes. did on our crusty corner. I love ziti. Ziti. It's great. Yeah. Lasagna is a casserole for sure, right? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, I will say, hold on, I should mention one exception to my my mother's casserole, you know, blanket casserole assessment. Blanket casserole sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, somebody might call lasagna blanket casserole. That's true. It's like sheets piled on top of each other. It absolutely is. It could also be a game you play with your kid, like I'm going to make you into a blanket casserole. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever read pizza pizza uh yes i love that anyway okay so my mom apparently before i was born or when i was too young to remember such things my mother used to make something called funeral casserole <laughs> okay but she only ever like gave it to other people we, we ne- <laughs> and then those people mysteriously died <laughs> no uh i asked her about it she has spent the past 48 hours looking nonstop for the cookbook that it came from and she can't find it. Oh, 
the cookbook also mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> anyway. This is some X-Files shit. But anyway, she says that she would take Chef Boyardee spaghetti from a can. Okay. Mix it with thawed frozen spinach and raw chopped scallions. Uh-huh. Put it in a casserole or, you know, a baking dish and cover the top of it. There must have been some cheese involved. But yeah. I only remember her mentioning like uh, French's fried onion rings. Which are pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, this was something that she would make and then take to the home uh, of, you know, a, a, a f- who had just had a family member pass away. Sure. So, but, but seriously, I think this was like before I was born or I mean she never made this for us it's like interesting like why would you think to make this for somebody as like a gesture of care but but I mean it doesn't sound like it would cheer me up (laughs) (laughs) you know like but what if you were a kid would you be into that though no, with like spinach in it and stuff. Like, and I thought spinach was fine as a kid, but even, but I wasn't excited about it. Like, yeah. no, I think like if I went to a funeral and then I had this casserole, I'd be like, the casserole would, would kind of reinforce for me, like, you <laughs> the know, sadness. life, life is sad a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So did, were there any casseroles in your youth? I mean, other than the ones that that sort of that we talked about that sort of get like elevated into a separate category, uh, like like Lasagna, your, your baked ziti, yeah, uh, your your girlfriend's parents' cottage pie, exactly. No, I I don't remember there being casseroles, hmm. and I think I think it's like a thing. Here, here's my. Were here's, your, was your mom a food snob in any regard? Oh, of like course, this? yeah. I mean, yeah. she she uh, even when I was a kid had thousands of cookbooks, and uh, you know had worked as a caterer, and uh, yeah, was not into the whole canned cream soup right. lifestyle. Yeah, um, and and I and I say that like with no with no disdain intended whatsoever yeah no um, i totally grew up with canned soup my parents oh i grew up with tons of canned soup just not as an just ingredient. not put as an ingredient yeah however that said I, i'm sure i've talked about this on the show that for a long time my favorite birthday cake that my mom would make for me was <laughs> had a can of cream of mushroom right down the middle <laughs> no, it was, it was fu- called the tunnel of love it cake was- <laughs> no, it wasn't called the tunnel of fudge cake yeah, yeah that exists yeah. No, this one. Tunnel of love cake. <laughs> wow. This one, this birthday cake uh, was flavored with like the like a dry packet of raspberry jello. Uh, it was out of a junior league cookbook. Let's get ourselves some casserole. And then yes, yes. we are going to talk about the history of casserole and what casserole is. Wow, that was that was like an NPR style teaser you just did. Sort like, of. You know, after after the break. Yeah, after the break, we'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Grove. Grove makes it easy to discover the best natural products to take care of your family and your home. And they make sure you never run out. You know what I learned recently that was interesting to me? My sister-in-law, she heard a Grove ad on our show and she's like, oh, I've been a Grove customer for forever. Wait a minute, really? Yes. Oh my God, that's so And then I started noticing all the stuff around her house. I'm like, oh, Grove sent me that and that also. Did she have any of the Grove branded stuff, like the candle? Yes, absolutely. She had the candle. super sexy bottle brush? Yeah. And she has a new baby. And so she is super particular about what products she wants in her house. And she loves all the stuff from Grove because it's all, you know, non-toxic, naturally produced, the kind of stuff that you would be buying anyway. And Grove makes it so easy. And the other thing she said she liked, which I noticed too, is that when you get a package from Grove, it is 
intelligently pack. It's yes. not like yes. a gigantic box with one tiny item in the corner and a bunch of inflatable thingies. It is notable how beautifully packed and, and minimally packed it is, really. I buy Grove buy Grove stuff just for that reason, frankly. Yep, and here's how you do it. You go to grove.co slash milk, and you will get a $30 Mrs. Myers gift set for free with your order of 20 bucks or more. That's grove.co, not grove.com slash spilled milk. So uh, during the break, uh, Molly went to the kitchen and served up a beautiful plate of casserole. And uh, I came over and I'm like, oh, this looks great. And she said, this is mine. Go, please go serve yourself some. The middle isn't quite as warm as I want it to be. So yeah, you, uh, you define hospitality. Could you please pass me a fork or is that asking too much? <laughs> You're going to want a little bit of salt on it. Oh. You're going to want to assault <laughs> oh, it. You mean the, the salt that you that you took off the shelf, put on your casserole, and then put away? <laughs> Hello, I'm famous for my hospitality. Mm-hmm. This is, yep, this is what they call Midwest nice. Um, so uh, I want to I go back down memory lane uh, for a moment uh, before we get into the history of casserole. I'm really sorry. This could have been hotter. I could microwave it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to pop it in the microwave for a minute. Okay, cool. Okay, so first off, before I give my uh, opinion on the casserole, I think maybe one reason that casseroles didn't make much of an appearance at the dinner table when I was growing up is that my brothers, I, I was a pretty fairly picky eater as a kid, but my brothers were pickier than me. And in particular, they would not have wanted to eat something that had like, you know, a bunch of bits of unidentifiable vegetables and God, stuff. Your poor mom. Oh yeah, yeah. She she had three three boys, and we were all terrible in in all, all different ways. I remember. And we would like punch each other a lot. I remember not long after June was born, when I was dealing with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Your mom was incredibly sympathetic and supportive. I think because she had to deal with you guys. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good. Uh, what do you think? Um. So Molly made a classic tuna noodle casserole. But like flat noodles. I mean, actually, I don't know if, if this, this is, is classic because I've never eaten it before. Never mind. Um, it's got frozen peas and breadcrumbs on top and, and fettuccine. Me, why don't you let me talk about it? Okay. But, you. I mean, you asked. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Fine. What I was going to say is, um, and then you can, and then you can uh, tell us all about it. I kind of don't get why the tuna. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if the tuna was replaced with, with a little, like, chicken pulled off a rotisserie mm-hmm. chicken it would be better it would be better but mm-hmm. but that's that's purely just an arbitrary preference mm-hmm. i feel like at that point it veers in the direction of a tetrazzini what what defines a tetrazzini well a tetrazzini is it's usually uh like chicken or turkey um with a, a cream sauce that's flavored with like parmesan cheese or that kind of mm. thing does I mean, the that, word that tetrazzini come from the word Tetris because all the pieces fit together so nicely. Exactly. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, let's talk about, about casserole. Okay. Okay. So the word casserole, you're going to love this. Okay. In French, it is the diminutive of casse. Which like co- break. Yeah, which you would think, except it comes from the Provençal dialect casa, which means pan. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, anyway, it's it, basically we understand this as a large deep dish used both in the oven and as a serving vessel. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's also the word, of course, for the food cooked and served in that vessel. And it's not to be confused with the word casserola, 
which is Spanish for cooking pot. When you say not to be confused, like that's just the same word, but in Spanish, right? Um, no, Wiki- but- Wikipedia told me not to be confused, and so I, I'm just going to assume they're totally different. Okay, you're telling me not to be confused made me confused. I feel very confused, too. Okay. I shouldn't I shouldn't use Wikipedia anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, in the U.S. and Europe, casserole is basically meat or fish, chopped vegetables, some sort of a starchy binder like flour or rice or potato or pasta with a crunchy or cheesy topping. I don't like that the phrase starchy binder. I <laughs> Oh, that, isn't that a show that people are watching? Starchy, starchy binders. <laughs> it's usually cooked slowly in the oven, often uncovered. And uh, examples include ragu, Lancashire hot pot. Which like that's is, ragu with a T. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lancashire hot pot, which is kind of like shepherd's pie or cottage pie. Cassoulet, tagine, moussaka, shepherd's pie, and carbonade. Oh, moussaka is good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we get some real history. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. In 1866, Elmir Jolicoeur. Elmer? Happy heart. Pretty heart. Pretty heart, sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Elmer Pretty Heart, a French-Canadian immigrant, invented the precursor of the modern casserole in New Hampshire, of all places. Uh, Okay, please go on. I know you're not buying this. No, no, I just have many questions. (laughs) Early recipes consisted of rice that was pounded, pressed, and filled with a savory mixture of meats. Pounded? Like, that's how you make mochi. Well, right. Sometime around the 1870s, this sense of casserole seems to have slipped into its current sense. The idea of casserole cooking as a one-dish meal became especially popular in the U.S. in the 1950s with the advent of things like Pyrex and like lightweight metal cooking dishes. And by the 1970s, unfortunately, casserole had already fallen from grace and took on a, quote, less than sophisticated image. Oh, yeah. That tends to happen a lot. Yeah. Right? Well, it happened to a lot of things in the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for instance, God, I mean, you know, the Vietnam War, really, people tended to think that uh, by the time we were well into the 70s, people thought that was a disaster. Um, yeah. Much like a casserole. <laughs> right. But but like at one point people thought it was cool. No, absolutely not. I'm sorry. I'm trying. You're supposed to yes and Sorry. Me. God. Okay. A characteristic method of preparing casserole, particularly in the Midwest and South of the U.S., and apparently in parts of Canada, is to use condensed soup. Uh-huh. Okay. Because it's got all your starchy binders. It, yes. All in one place. And some- Other stuff. Gloopy stuff. Uh, so Wait, ca- isn't a starchy binder glo- the gloopy stuff? Well, but how is pasta gloopy stuff? Like, I feel like a casserole needs both oh, kind of a liquidy okay. thing and like a starch that's going to make it all congeal. So it's that's not true. enough to just okay. have pasta. That, then you've got baked pasta. And if you have the starchy binder but not the, the solid stuff, then it's more like a quiche. Sort of. <laughs> but a, 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 the egg in a, in a quiche is not a starchy binder. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I don't know why Wikipedia uses the phrase starchy binder. Well. I think of it as like a, a filler, right? Yeah. A filler. The binder is different. The binder is like a bechamel or a velouté. Yes. Or, yeah. I'll get to those things. <laughs> Great. Hang on. So casseroles that are prepared with condensed soup are, of course, like tuna casserole, often called tuna noodle casserole, mm-hmm. green bean casserole. Oh, which we made for some previous episode. Remember? And I saw someplace that mac and cheese some uses condensed soup in some places, like a mac and cheese casserole. 
I mean, there's there's like, like a cream of chicken. I was gonna soup say, well, there's or... cream of cheddar soup. Ew. Um, I could see that working. I don't. I don't know that that would be super different from a from a mac and cheese made with like Velveeta and a little flour or something. Mm-hmm. A roux. Anyway, in Minnesota and North Dakota, hold on, I should finish chewing. <laughs> in Minnesota and North Dakota, these like northern Midwest areas, casserole. Is a very typical dish, and they call it hot dish. That's what hot dish is? That's what hot dish. It's a casserole. I think I've known that term forever and didn't know that that's what it meant. Uh, I knew it was was found somewhere in the Midwest and meant something. And, of course, that part of the country also, you know, has a lot of Scandinavian heritage. And there they have a potato casserole whose name I am now going to butcher. Please. It's called Jansen's Frestelsis. Whoa. (laughs) That... (laughs) I did a great Fres- job of Frestelsis. that. Frestelsis. It sounds like... Fres- Frestels. Frestels? Yeah. It's a legacy uh. of the Scandinavian immigrants of the area. Mm-hmm. Oh, like how they have Cornish pasties in Michigan. Yeah. So, hey, would you like to take a casserole quiz? I would like nothing more than to <clears throat> t- taste a casserole quiz. Now, Matthew, which of the following are, according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. notable casserole dishes? I can tell you one thing. Jansen's Frestelsa. <laughs> Baked ziti. Yes, real. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken divan. Real. Yep. What do you know what that is? Yes, it is uh it is a dish that was named after the Divan Parisienne restaurant in the New York Chatham Hotel. Chatham? Chatham, probably. Chatham. Anyway, it it's with broccoli, almonds, and Mornay sauce, which is a bechamel with gruyere. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um I thought you were gonna say it was a kind of couch or ottoman. I know, I was picturing it as a like a like a you build a special ottoman out of casserole dishes and, uh, and drape a chicken. Oh, over that's it. my kid is my kid when she was little always asked me to come build a casserole fort. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then and let us play blanket casserole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trump Hotel beef. Uh, fake. Fake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean there are a lot of such beefs going on. Yeah. Chili Mac. Oh the real that stuff's good. Chili Bob. With Chili Bob? <laughs> you are so proud of yourself right now. I cannot do these quizzes. <laughs> okay. Chili, would it would it make you happy if I said real? Even though it's obviously not? <laughs> no. Okay. Walking Joshua. That sounds so weird. I'm going to say yes. It's fake. What? <laughs> What? what was the what was the thought process that went into that? Wait, flying Jacob. Oh, <laughs> so that's the real one. You put the the fake one first, even though I was going to say, "What are you even talking about?" Yeah, yeah. Flying Jacob is a real casserole. Yeah, it's Swedish. Embrace yourself. It has chicken. <laughs> you say embrace yourself <laughs> and brace yourself. It has chicken cream. Chili sauce, bananas, peanuts, and bacon. What? I had to double check that this was Swedish. When when you say chili sauce, is it like the Heinz chili sauce that's kind of maybe the, the kind same of sweet as ketchup? Stuff, yeah. Maybe. But bananas? Yeah, that's that is that's hard quite core. a melange. Okay, Frito pie. Real. Funeral potatoes. I mean, you said funeral casserole. I, I'm going to say real. Yeah, it's basically potatoes, cheese, onions. Cooked cr- cream, to death. Cream soup, sour cream, and then it's usually topped with cornflakes or crumbled chips. I was going to ask about potato chips on casserole because I know sometimes there's potato chips on tuna noodle, noodle casserole, and that sounds good. We're going to talk about that okay, in just great. a minute, okay? Uh, Sammy Zanotti. 
Oh, I hope that's real. Nope, it's fake. <laughs> Is that like a, a friend of yours from college or something? Johnny Marzetti. Uh, oh, I see how the, I get I get the uh, the game here now. Johnny Marzetti. Yeah. Okay, I guess it's real. It's a Midwest Italian American thing with noodles, cheese, ground beef, tomato sauce, and uh, mushrooms. Hmm. I gotta say the ones the ones of these that are clearly like Italian American inspired are the ones that sound the best to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Ranch Chicken. That's real. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tex Mex. What what's in that? It sounds, sounds super good. good. It's like Rotel tomatoes with green oh, chilies. Yeah. Okay, cream of mushroom and cream of chicken soup. Why not? I think. I mean, I I I am not trusting Wikipedia entirely here. Bell pepper, onion, shredded chicken, and then the bottom of the pan you have layered with corn tortillas or tortilla chips. I like this. And then you top the whole thing with cheese. Yeah. I think this sounds I'm great, in. right? King Ranch Chicken. Apparently there is a King Ranch and it is not affiliated with the dish. Is that where they're holding the royal wedding that yeah. will have happened months ago by the time you hear this? Yeah. Uh, King Ranch Cod. No. No. <laughs> Kugel. Yes, real. Nut roast. <laughs> oh, God. Um is is this just like a, a nuts joke? Um, I'm gonna say fake. No, it's real. Nut roast is real. It's real. It's like it's a, all too real. It's like nut loaf, but for some but, reason, but for some reason on Wikipedia they call it nut roast. It's question: What is nut loaf? Okay, it's basically nuts, grains, aromatics, broth baked together in a loaf or a casserole, and it's a vegetarian like main dish i can't i can't is 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 this more like a like a 70s hippie thing or more like a renaissance thing because it sounds like it could be either i think it's a 70s hippie thing it's a vegetarian deal uh but when you said when you said nut loaf i for a second i thought you were saying it as if as if you meant like you know it's it's like the nut loaf that you know well (laughs) like i don't (laughs) lentil flambe no it's not true (laughs) pate chinois i'm gonna say real and i hate it Similar to shepherd's pie. Okay. Yeah, in Quebec and New England. Uh, Potato babka. Fake. It's real. What? Belarus and Poland is where it comes from. It is grated potato, onions, eggs, and bacon or Polish sausage. Oh, that sounds great. Right? Uh, It's often served with sour cream. Sounds right, right? Yeah. Uh, Tomato babka. Um, Fake. (laughs) That's fake. (laughs) I'm killing it here. Uh, Tamale pie. Oh, yeah, that's real. I make that sometimes. It's very good. Timbalo. Oh, that's the thing from Big Night. Yes, yes. exactly. That's considered a casserole, yeah, according sure. to Wikipedia. And tofurkey. Not a casserole. It's you, considered a casserole by Wikipedia. No, yes, no, no. Casseroles, I mean, the, Wikipedia says it is sometimes baked in a casserole. Well, I mean, you could use it as an ingredient <laughs> in a casserole, but like if you buy it in like a, like a, you know, oblong. Take it to Wikipedia, Matthew. And you're, you're my Wikipedia. Anyway, yeah, I, I really loved that wild card at the end there. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that very much. Uh, chili or, or my name isn't Johnny, Johnny. That that's a rally. Uh, Johnny Marzetti. Johnny Marzetti. And it, his his invisible cousin Sammy Zanotti. <laughs> God, I wish I had an invisible cousin. They like to no, hang wait. out with Flying I'm Jacob sorry. and Walking I wish Joshua. I was the invisible cousin. Uh, okay. Anyway, so there you go. One time on the show, we <coughs> we talked about like what what would it be cool to be invisible and what we would do and like uh i was listening to that episode is that when we came up with invisiblecowboy.com i bet it was 
and I was listening to it. Also, it's possible it was one of my other podcasts, but I think it was this one. And I was sitting and listening to the show uh, with with my wife, who kept elbowing me like, like, come on, like the 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 uh, things you're saying you would do while you're invisible that that would not be illegal and immoral. I'm not buying at all. <laughs> like she thought I would go like straight to like the the women's locker room. What would you do? I mean, I like to think that I would that I would use my powers for good, but I don't think anyone of us can know that for sure until we get the powers, right? Yeah, and I feel like the things that I'm thinking I want to do would probably get me investigated with the FBI. So not I'm not if they I'm, couldn't find you because not, you were invisible. <laughs> I'm not going to say them here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I see. Because I'm not invisible right, right now. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess if you were invisible but you were still confessing to crimes on a podcast, that that wouldn't help. Yeah. <laughs> on a podcast, nobody knows you're invisible, as seen in the New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> as not seen in the New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Splendid Table, the show for curious cooks and eaters. Host Francis Lamb and his guests provide a fresh, multicultural snapshot of the food world, and this is this is no ordinary food podcast. No, I mean the I mean, one you're a... listening to now is an ordinary food uh, podcast, but the Splendid Table on American not Public ordinary. Media, it's outstanding. Yes, and you can get it wherever you download podcasts. Matthew, will you tell us about the casserole that you made? Yes, and I'm going to I'm going to get there in a slightly roundabout way. Okay. So, also on my memory lane, but like from the early days of my marriage, which I feel like I said that in a really weird way. Um, when I was first married and and for for uh, many years thereafter, like in, up to the present, I, I'm, I'm, wow, okay. wow, when I said roundabout yep. way, Carry I was on. not joking. <laughs> Carry on. Um uh, Lori, my wife, uh, would make this recipe, and then I, I make it sometimes, too, called California casserole, which was a, a family hand-me-down that surely originated, like, on the back of a box. Uh, okay. And it's a it's a casserole of, uh, like, instant rice, uh, some kind of ground meat or not, uh, depending on whether you want to make it vegetarian, uh, bell peppers, onions, canned tomatoes, and then topped with a lot of cheddar cheese. Okay. And uh, and it's very tasty. Why Do you still make it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, I bet I've written up the recipe somewhere and we can link to it. So Is then, it better than just making like rice and putting some seasoned ground beef on top and other stuff? It's well, different because you, you can that. cut a quart. You can, yeah, you can you can cut. Well, I mean, you could if you were making Okinawan taco rice, which is delicious, and we should do sometime. Okay, um, but but the, you know, you can cut a square of this. It's a it's a casserole. You Does can bring ho- it to something in a, in a way that it would be weird to bring like some rice and then and then some s- toppings, some some seasoned ground beef to put on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would be really weird. So yeah, it's it's good, and so then. I the casserole that I ended up making for the for this uh, try my casserole exercise I didn't realize until after until my wife pointed it out after the fact that it's very similar to California casserole. I love its name, which to me seems like a cousin of the cartoon character Daria. Yes, which I we haven't said the name yet. Say it, which is yeah. Doria. Doria. Which is, it is a Japanese casserole, mm-hmm. and I first encountered it in Tokyo uh, last year. It was a cold winter day. I was uh, near Yoyogi Park. Uh, oh, this sounds like the beginning of a horror story. And, uh, <laughs> and it always begins at Yoyogi Park, right? But this is this is the opposite of a, of a horror story. The well, wind was whipping through the trees. <laughs> just yeah, just like in the in the Oklahoma. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, 
And uh, did you so- watch a hawk making lazy circles <laughs> in the sky? Uh, go on. Yes, yes. And what then- about a jungle crow? Was there a jungle crow nearby? Uh, probably. I mean, we we know that they there are those in Tokyo. Matthew and I saw some jungle crows when we were there. Which uh, is like a big scary crow. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it looks like a raven, sort of. Yeah, they're so cool. I think. I think when you said that last time, I was like, I didn't know a raven was a different was different from a crow, and then I forgot, and I still don't know that it's different from a crow. Okay. Uh, so we were we were wandering around like, what do we want for lunch? And we were like getting on the verge of that, like too hungry oh. to make a decision. <laughs> yeah. See, it is a scary story. <laughs> We were getting hangry, um, and I was like, "Let's go to this place, which uh, served." <laughs> wow, this is—it's uh, like an episode of, of, uh, of Radio Lab. <laughs> like instead of Pro Tools, though, we just have Molly and her mouth. <laughs> okay. um, so we went to this place uh, that served a variety of doria and uh, gratin, as in gratin. What that is, is uh, Doria is a casserole, uh, a European-inspired casserole served on top of steamed rice, like baked onto steamed rice. And uh, Goratan is the same thing, but on pasta. And we were not sure what to expect, and it was super delicious. I got one with, like, white sauce and meat sauce and eggplant and pork and perfectly steamed rice served on, like, an individual cast iron platter. Uh Uh-huh. And it was fantastic. And so when you looked up the recipe for the one that you made for me. Yep. I just Googled Doria recipe. And the first thing that came up was justonecookbook.com, which is a terrific Japanese food blog. Just to be clear, is Doria Doria spelled D-O-R-I-A? It's spelled D-O-R-I-A. And it's one of those things that like if you ask people in Japan, many people will say that, that uh, it's, they think it's an Italian dish. Oh. Which, which it's not. Yeah, where does the name come from? So I think is there was like a person. It, it's like named after Daria. A, it's named after Daria from the TV show Daria. Yeah, because it was pretty much the only thing that could cheer her up. I mean, she was just so yeah. relentlessly down. But then you know you you offer her an individual cast iron plate with with some. Uh, <laughs> that was the yep that Daria's signature moan. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was I was trying to set this. I know it was atmosphere. It's cold outside. Yeah. The wind. The ghosts. <laughs> the jungle crows. Yeah, I mean we were near we were near like the Meiji shrine, uh, which is ded- dedicated to the Meiji Emperor. It's a probably a lot of ghosts. Ooh. Anyway, spirits. Daria was very cranky, even though Tokyo was wonderful. She was not excited to be there. She went into this restaurant. They served her this dish. And it was a hot dish. <laughs> it was a hot dish. It was served on a hot dish. So anyway, so then I, I made it. And the one I made was not not as good as the one that I had in, in <laughs> Japan, but it was pretty tasty. I mean, it's just like, you know, a meat sauce topped with a bunch of cheese and panko and, uh, you know, baked on top of rice until the cheese gets real crispy and the and the breadcrumbs. It was delicious. Um, and it's interesting to, like, have this layer of, Wait, of fluffy white rice that gets a little crispy around the edges, the, too. The rice was cooked ahead of time. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, yeah, so it actually comes together really fast. And if you have if you have like sauce in your fridge and cheese and some leftover cooked rice, you could put this together in minutes. Wow. Okay. Will you put the recipe on, I, we on the old website? We will link to the recipe okay. from justonecookbook.com. Okay. Great. And I don't know. Anything else about casseroles? Well, Got- yeah. Let me tell you about my casserole. So I wanted to make tuna noodle casserole because I have always felt like 
I've always felt like even though I only had it once and I don't even really remember exactly when that was, somehow it all... Could it, it, could it have been a dream? It could have been a dream. A hallucination? Somehow it all like really appeals to me. Was this a thing where you saw a casserole on the horizon? Because I, saw a I need to remind you again. on the horizon. Those aren't real. <laughs> Uh, you know, not even the ones with palm trees next to them and, oh, that, and, no, that's and real. Oasis. That's an oasis. Okay. Anyway, is Noel Gallagher there? Mm-hmm. And, and Liam Gallagher. Cool. But, but not is there a, together. Do I have to climb over a Wonderwall to get there? <laughs> um, yeah. We, if you see a champagne supernova <laughs> on the horizon, that's a star that exploded millions of years ago. <laughs> 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 anyway, astronomy jokes. Um, did you ever see the Oasis unplugged on no. MTV? It was one of the most amazing things ever. <laughs> Were they so cranky? So it was beyond that. Um, like when they got to the MTV studios, Liam, the singer, was like, "I hate my brother. Fuck this shit. I'm not gonna sing. I'm not, I'm not gonna take part in this." Was but he like, the more or less attractive one? Wait, who's the uh, one who's pointier, kind of like grimacey faced? I, 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 I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I can sort of visualize both of them, but I'm not sure if I have them confused with each other. Okay. So, uh, so Liam's like, "I'm not gonna sing." Uh, and Noel's like, fine, I'll sing. And so he did. Noel took over and sang and sang uh, all the songs while Leah was like up in the balcony glaring at him Wait, for kept, the whole thing. They kept showing him up there? <laughs> yes. Really? This really happened. Oh my God, I want to go see it's it. It's the best. Oh, wow. I'm sure the whole thing is on YouTube. If it is, we'll we'll link to that too. Uh, Nirvana Unplugged was, uh, all, I mean, it's it's classic. Right, but was that was like a genuinely that was like great a performance. Real performance. This was just ridiculous. I mean, it was still pretty good because those guys are super talented and also not very nice. I kind of want to go listen to Wonderwall now. Oh, yeah. Those first two those first two Oasis albums, I think, are pretty unimpeachable. And You, then, you think they're better than the Beatles, don't you? <laughs> I, I think we're bigger than Jesus. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I wanted to make tuna noodle casserole. I also felt like the people who live in my house with me would really like it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how did that go? So, well, it happens that I made it while Ash was out of town for work and June <laughs> is at Brandon's house. So I invited so it's just my, you and the ghosts and dogs. I invited that, my mom over uh-huh. to have tuna noodle casserole with me last night. So here's the deal. I, I kind of I feel like I cheated a little bit because I didn't want to make one with cream of mushroom soup because I, I felt like the the gloopiness of cream of mushroom soup kind of skeeves me out. So here's, I, I have a feeling on this because I once went to a party where the theme of the party was cook something from the book Cooking with Coolio. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Cooking with Coolio book is a hilarious cookbook full of like gloop recipes, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I was I was kind of excited about it, and like the one I made sounded really spicy and had habanero peppers in it and stuff, and also a lot of canned cream of soup. Yeah, um, cream of soup. <laughs> cream of soup. <laughs> if I picked up a can and it just said cream of soup, that would be the greatest. It it turned out like my my skepticism about the cream of soup was is warranted because really? they they really do like wash out flavors. Okay. Okay. Well, so. What I decided to do was take down my old copy of the new best recipe. Oh, you! This was a, one of your classic takedowns. This is. One- <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so, I have this book also. But the edition that I have is nowhere near the newest one. No. This is. Uh, let me look up the the publication date. On okay. This one. I'm I'm on tenterhooks. <laughs> 
This is the 2004 edition. Okay. Anyway, so I was like, if I'm going to make tuna noodle casserole, I'm going to make the Cook's Illustrated. That like, seems real test smart. kitchen yes. tuna noodle casserole. So I did. Let me tell you, this was the most work of any meal that I have made probably this year yet. Wow. Yeah. Really? So by the time I was done, I had two dirty skillets, one dirty, like, you know, two stock- Dirty Skillets would be a great name for a podcast. Anyway, two Dirty Skillets, one dirty stock pot that I'd cooked pasta in, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of bowls, and and like it just it was such a mess. Like I had like two wooden spoons dirty, a whisk. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot. So I have to say that I am a very simple cook, and mm-hmm. like. At home, if I'm going to make uh, some chicken dish for dinner, it's usually going to be like roast chicken or like pan seared, you know, roasted chicken. It's going to be something that like that is going to be the main attraction. And then I'm going to make like roasted vegetables and like blanched green beans. It sounds like very simple. Dirty Wednesday night. Well, so anyway, I started cooking at 5 p.m. I Uh told my mom to come over at 7 my mom arrived at seven. I had just finished stirring everything together. Oh. And had a, a counter like covered in dirty dishes. And I was just like, two hours of work? Two for, for hours a tuna casserole? For a tuna casserole. Uh, now, okay, granted, let me tell you the steps. Okay. Here. You make your own breadcrumbs. Yeah. You make your own breadcrumbs. Uh, you you pour melted butter on them and then you toast them in the in the I, oven. I love that. Right, yeah. right. I mean that. I feel like that really. You need that here. Yeah, you need that good. texture. So anyway, I made my own breadcrumbs, toasted them in the oven. Then I sautéed together mushrooms and onions. Set that uh-huh. aside. Uh, use frozen peas that you thaw. Then you cook the pasta, which is which is fettuccine that you have broken into thirds. Oh, nice. Cooks Illustrated has a, an interesting method for that that I didn't test out. They have you basically take, you're using 12 ounces of pasta. Okay. They have you take this like bundle of pasta and put it in a dish towel and kind of yeah. wrap it up. And then they have you kind of break it against like a, a like the corner of the counter or something. Oh, that sounds very satisfying. And then then you hold one end of this dish towel bundle over the um the pot of boiling water, release the bottom and let all the noodles fall out. Okay. I didn't try it. I just stood at my sink and just broke the noodles into thirds. Wait, so you didn't do the dish towel thing? I didn't even? do the dish towel thing. I kind of felt like it was going to lead to like little bits of pasta skittering all over the place. I mean, that sounds pretty funny if I don't have to clean it up. Anyway, I was going to have to clean yeah, it up. Yeah, I get it. Anyway, so yeah, you boil pasta, you saute your mushrooms and onions together, you toast your breadcrumbs, then you uh, drain your cans of tuna. I splashed tuna water down my pants. Oh, no. I mean, the outside of my pants, not inside my pants. <laughs> Not down I mean, my pants, well, down maybe, the front of my pants. Either way. On my pants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, then I had to chop a bunch of fresh herbs. Uh-huh. Thyme leaves. I hate picking thyme leaves oh, off the sprig. Yeah. Can you, do you feel the fire from this rant? I feel, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I feel, yeah, like my left side now is getting hot, just like my back was getting hot from the oven earlier. <laughs> anyway, so I had to pull thyme leaves off the sprigs and then chop them, and then I had to chop some parsley. Uh-huh. Okay? And then I had to make a velouté. Now, what is that? You so said this word earlier, and I, I sort of vaguely know what it is. So my understanding— Is it so, like a custard? Hold on. So a bechamel is 
uh, you you toast flour in butter, mm-hmm. and then you add milk, and it yeah. makes like a cream sauce, right? Like a creamy sauce. Okay, velouté is basically bechamel, but it's not just water; it's also stock, so it's oh, okay. thinner. It's thinner, less rich, less rich, a little looser. So yeah, so I I toasted flour in melted butter, slowly added milk and two cups of stock. And then you let it simmer until it's thickened a little bit. You add those herbs. Okay, by this time, I mean, are you keeping track of how many little steps I've done here and how many pans I've gotten dirty? Because you're supposed yes. to use there a was clean- a whisk, a whisk, two wooden spoons, <laughs> uh, two skillets. There was a thing that there was one of, maybe a sauce a stock pan, pot. Stock a stock pot. pot. Yeah, uh, the, your was, pants. The, my pants. There was the, all one, the chopping of the fresh herbs. Uh huh. Uh, there was like the smell of tuna. Now I'm imagining like like a like a Dorling Kindersley cookbook with like like photos of everything and like as a picture of pants, (laughs) (laughs) like equipment you'll need one pair of pants. Anyway, yeah, and so oh, and and so then you basically dump all of it together, which I did in the stock pot that I had cooked the pasta in. And you stir it all up, and then you bake it with the breadcrumbs on top. Yeah, so it's this was good, but it seems like if you're going to yeah. put that much effort in on a recipe, it shouldn't be this one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally get it. I should have just, if I didn't want to put that much work in, I should have done it the convenience way, which is how I think casseroles came to be so popular. Yeah. I should have like used the cream of mushroom like soup. Like the back of the box way. Yeah, I, I made a stupid move and I get it, people. Don't leave me Facebook comments about this. I know, <laughs> I get it. But anyway, I just have to say, I feel like, who would want to spend two hours on this? This wasn't really worth it. Yeah. Um, the experience that I had like this, which I'm sure I've mentioned before, is the time I made the uh, Cook's Illustrated Crescent Rolls, mm-hmm. which was like, it was like three hours of work and they ended up being as good as the ones, the yeah. Pillsbury ones. Yeah. I Afterward, I also found myself wishing that I had made turkey tetrazzini instead mm-hmm. because I, unlike tuna noodle casserole, which I have very little experience with, Turkey Tetrazzini. You are deeply experienced. I'm, I'm experienced. Uh, no, I remember as a kid eating a lot of Stouffer's Turkey Tetrazzini, like you know, TV dinners when my parents would go out. And so I think yeah. that I, I, I like the idea of Tetrazzini. The, like if I'm going to make a creamy sauce, like flavoring it with cheese, like a, a Parmesan. Yeah. I like the idea of the turkey or the chicken. You should you should make Johnny Marzetti. I should make Johnny Marzetti. I don't remember what you said it was, but it's got to be good. I'm going to make some chili bob. Johnny Marzetti, I imagine being like uh, wearing he's a race res- car driver. Oh, I, I imagine like like uh, like wearing a leather jacket and being like a cool guy from the fifties. You know what he was? He's the guy who got Madonna pregnant in Papa Don't Preach. Ex- <laughs> That's exactly right. Yep. Oh man, that guy. <laughs> man. <is> hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now oh, I got that song stuck in my head. Everybody go watch that video. We'll link to it it's in the so show notes. Incredible. It's com. Oh, my God. And who's the dad? Like Danny Aiello or something? That sounds right. Oh, my God. And like the baby daddy is so handsome. And Madonna is so beautiful with like her like short, sexy blonde hair. Yeah. And her jean jacket slung over her shoulder. <laughs> go in to Good see times. Johnny Marzetti. Because yes. he knocked her up. Uh huh. He, yep. he put a casserole in the oven. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
This episode was brought to you by Grove. Grove makes it easy to discover the best natural products for your home and family and makes sure you never run out of your favorites. Yeah, Molly and I use stuff from Grove all the time, like Mrs. Myers and Method and Burt's Bees and Tom's of Maine and Just all that good stuff. Just used it to clean my toilet the other day. Uh-huh. You know this stuff, you love this stuff, and you're going to get this stuff by going to grove.co slash spilled milk and you will get a $30 Mrs. Myers gift set for free with your order of $20 or more. That's grove.co slash spilled milk. Anything else about casseroles? Nope, that's it. Okay, you can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com where we'll link to that Madonna video <laughs> and a casserole recipe and a uh, Doria recipe. Uh, Oasis uh, Unplugged. Oasis Unplugged, if we could find that. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> My nose is so itchy for some reason. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Spilled Milk Podcast. Um, where, where, please, do not tell me that I chose the wrong tuna noodle casserole dish. Once again, I mean, tuna noodle casserole recipe. <laughs> yeah. Once again, I know. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast. Uh, and uh, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Our producer is Abby Circatella. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. We are two dirty skillets. <laughs> I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. I had to go turn off the oven from the casserole because it was starting, my back was starting to get really warm. That happens from your oven? Really? Sure. It's wow. a it's a big box that gets really hot and heat comes out of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how your oven works. Okay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.